0: to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. I'm it and we have lots of special guests with us today, which I'm super excited about. This is a podcast with Sam, S, or you might know him as S.D. Smith, the author of the Green Ember series, which we are just absolutely loving as a family. And then um, we have some other special, special guests with us today and they are going to introduce themselves. We'll start with John.
1: My name is Joshua Schaefer. I'm 11 years old. I enjoy reading and playing sports. I want to be an author. My favorite Green Ember book is The Last Archer. My name is Charlie Uretch. I'm 10 years old. I really enjoy reading, playing Legos, and eating.
0: All right. Well, we're so happy to have everyone today. Josh, I'm going to have you
1: introduce Sam in for us. SD Smith is the author of the Green Ember series, a best selling middle grade adventure saga. Green Ember has reached hundreds of thousands of readers and spent time as the number one best-selling audiobook in the world on Audible. Smith's stories are captivating readers across the globe who are hungry for new stories with an old soul. Enthusiastic families can't go enough, can't get enough of these tales. When he's not writing adventurous tales of rabbits with swords in his writing shed, dubbed The Forge, Smith loves to speak to audiences about storytelling, imagination, and seeing yourself as the character in the story. S.D. Smith lives in West Virginia with his wife
0: and four kids. All right. So I was just going to tell people, Sam, how we met. Um, We met last month, although we had known about you already for a long time. Last month, or maybe a month before that, um, at the Cincinnati Great Homeschool Convention, and we arrived without enough reading material, which was uh, a big deal for my kids. You know, we got there, and I don't have anything to read. You know, they were supposed to pack their own stuff and, and didn't bring enough books. And so the conference was about to start, and I'm perusing, trying to find books for us to read. And we came over to your booth. I actually already had a, your first book, but we just had it. No, it was sitting on the shelf. We hadn't gotten to it yet. And uh, all the kids were wanting to read your books. And I've got, I've got a stack of them here. So, so we, bought, we bought the stack. Uh, at the conference. And um, we actually bought three copies of the first book, because we have five kids and everybody wanted to get started. And so they spent the weekend with their noses in the book. I mean, everywhere we were walking, they got the the book up and every restaurant they've got their book up. So we were so thankful. And uh, one of the things I noticed a couple things, obviously, your booth is always jam packed, right? Every conference, there's yeah,
2: there, there tends to be, yeah, there tends to, we, we, we draw a crowd, it seems yeah. like. Uh.
0: <laughs> draw a crowd every time. So you have this cool booth set up, we got some t-shirts, and um, the kids love the book, but, but one of the things I really noticed was that you had family there, and that really drew me in. You had kids and nieces, um, your brother, I think you said, was there. Um, And so one of the things for us, for us as a, as a family that we have been exploring over the last couple of years is involving kids in adult work, um, especially as they get older and older. And I was gonna read this book, uh, this quote from this uh, John Holt book, which is called Learning All the Time. And he says, children need to get some sense of the processes by which good work is done. The only way they can learn how much time and effort it takes to build, say a table or to write a book is to be able to see someone building a table from start to finish or painting a picture or repairing a bicycle or writing a story or whatever it may be. Adults must use the skills they have where children can see them. Then he says, in the unlikely event that they have no skills, which sometimes I think we feel like that, "um, they can learn some and let the children see them learning. They should invite children to join them in using these skills In this way, children can be drawn at higher and higher levels of energy, commitment, and skill into more and more serious and worthwhile adult activities. And so that was sort of what I got out of your booth, just sort of meeting you for the first time and seeing children there and helping and, um, you know, learning how to use the different equipment. So I would love to hear, we would love to hear about your family and how they're involved in what you do.
2: Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, Charlie and Josh. It's so cool to to be talking to you guys and everyone who's listening. It's a real honor for me. Um, Thanks for having me on. It's really encouraging. Your words are very encouraging. I I, I saw some of the pictures of the kids and I saw them sometimes there like with the books and that was really encouraging and and sweet. And and, uh, that means a lot to me. So thanks you guys. And, and Josh, I'm looking for a hype man. So that, you know, with that intro, man, I don't think you could take my, bro- my brother Josiah usually does that for me, but I don't know, man, you could give him a run for his money. So, uh, so just think about it, you know, just be on standby, ready to come off the bench at any moment. Um, yeah, it was, it was so cool to meet you guys. And you, I was just, we, we obviously knew about you um, and, you know, we've got in our, we've got the, the thousand hours outside, you know, charts going in our families. And, uh and I was like, Oh, this is, this is the person, this is a person. Uh, I was like, everyone was talking about that. So it was so cool to meet you and, and your your family. You guys were so encouraging and like, it was just an awesome start. And uh, There wasn't as many people at that conference as there usually are. So it was nice to, it was nice to just meet you guys right off the bat. That was very encouraging for us. And uh yeah, I think it was even my daughter who was like, you know, tuned in. I think Ann was, was helping you guys, there. And I think she was just like, you need to meet this lady. Like and she came over to me and she's like, you need to meet this lady. Like she's super nice. And she's like buying all kinds of books. And anyway, uh, yeah, we, we, we're a team, you know, just, just, I think like you guys. And, uh, and I, I, I agree so much with what, what you read there about, and, and I don't know how much of it for us is just sort of like uh, culture versus sort of like intention, like definitely some intention, like we want to think about it. And I've always been a little bit of a, like, uh, explain up, don't dumb down kind of a person. Uh, that's just kind of been my heart. Like even just talking about big ideas, philosophy, theology, politics, uh, or, or just statecraft or history. I've always been like, no, that's like, we don't have to settle for sort of, you know uh the lowest common denominator or whatever like let's if you don't understand a word like let's just learn the word and let's not you know let's not live in ignorance and we'll all be dumber all the time i understand and you know, we've got to speak and contextualize you know at times and for you especially for young young kids but i'm always like a i i think for my my storytelling it harmonizes with my storytelling a lot because i can't my series my books are they they have a lot of respect for 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 kids as readers like I, i'm always like if, if there's a decision between like oh make this super super like low level so where everybody in the world can grasp it or like go ahead and lean into the, this is like a little complicated and like trust the kids to like to to um to be able to, to sort of walk through that. I'm always lean towards the trust the kids and like respect them. And, I, and partly because I've met so many of my readers and they're just like brilliant kids, like such, such a capacity for, for, um for understanding that like blows me away. And so, so I'm always like, I don't know my favorite authors did that. Madeline Lingle really did that like trust kids. Like people told her, you know, this b- wrinkle in time, it's like way too mature for kids. And she's like, well, I don't I don't disagree. And, you know, and, and she was proven right. And I think my favorite authors have always taken young readers very seriously. So, so yeah, and, and our family and w- our work, it's just like, uh, it's, it's hard to know where the lines are, as far as like, what is a child labor, you know, child slavery, uh, and what right, is... Right, right. But just to be, inc- I
0: think, It's this concept of just being inclusive of kids, and that's sort of what we're trying to model even here, and, um, you know, these boys both just love your books, and and we're excited to join in, you know, but what I see as a culture is that kids are very siphoned off from the adult world, you know, and that was kind of my experience, not that it was, you know, awful or anything, but you, you know, you spend these years in a school building, and you don't, you're kind of um, directed what to do, but but you don't really see the behind the scenes, you don't really see what's going on, and so um, I really loved meeting your daughter, you know, we came right before the conference started, it was like five minutes, you know, I, w- I was in a rush, you know, my kids are like, we're bored, you know, <laughs> like, why didn't you bring anything to do, <laughs> so, so I was <laughs> like, desperately needing these books, and so I think it was, Anne. you know, trying to figure out the computer systems, and, and it was right at the beginning, so, you know, just making sure that everything worked, and I thought, well, that's I mean, those are important skills, you know, to have those experiences, to talk to people. And um, so it's something that really drew me into what you were doing right off the bat, because um, it's something that we haven't always thought about. But over the past couple of years, I've tried to think about more. I, I just want to say, I really enjoy your books. You're talking about for um, drawing kids up. But, um, you know, I'm like, well, I got to read these books, right? We're doing a podcast. So, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm up late reading. I'm drawn in, man, where like oh. Heather's being chased by these wolves, through these and she's launching herself. And I'm like, I should go to sleep, but I'm just flipping pages. So uh, I think that's a special skill to be able to write in a way that entertains both children and adults. Um it's not very common. So uh well done. Really enjoyed that. Thank
2: you. That's kind, Jenny. And and it just harmonizes what we're talking about. Like I, I don't think of it as like, oh, this is something that I will enjoy, and then this is something that the kids will enjoy. And I have to adapt it in this incredible way so that the kids, I just think like my kids and I mostly there's a lot of things even the best art I think out there like you think about Pixar movies or something like Pixar movies aren't just like oh an eight-year-old loves that or a five-year-old or it's like anybody I'm 45 almost and it's like I love it the same as my nine-year-old and and that's what I yeah that's that's my favorite kind of art is the Chronicles of Narnia that kind of thing like who doesn't enjoy that like i i I don't know if I tr- <clears throat> would trust somebody who's like, no, that's too childish. Like, it's not too childish for me, for sure. And and so, yeah, I, 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 I loved it. And I totally agree with your whole your whole approach on uh, involving kids. I think that's the best way to learn. It's so natural. I, I, it feels, um, I, yeah, if, even if you're just thinking about education, it's like, what what is a uh, what is more powerful than being kind of walked through something together, sharing something together? And what is more like sort of empowering than to than to know as a child, like, yeah, we're we this family and our family business, like what what we do as a family together, whether it's ministry or work, whatever, like we need you. And we're we're, we're all in this together. And when we're cleaning up the house, we're, whatever parts we're playing um. Yeah, they all matter, and they all have like dignity and worth and value and and you, yeah, you're you're six years old, but you contribute to this family like you you do, and you, you know, that's the way you're loving and serving us, and we're loving and serving you. Yeah, we're we're all in this together. So I, I love your approach. I think it totally harmonizes with what we're trying to do in our home.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we had said we were going to talk about um, is actually your childhood. I what I when I look around, I see we have very career focused. Um, childhood practices where, you know, starting from very young ages, sometimes even in the womb, you know, we're playing the Mozart and, you know, we're really wanting our kids to get into these prestigious colleges and we're spending a whole lot of childhood time and energy and effort and money on programs and and these things. So, you know, I think that people would maybe look at you and and see the stack of books, you know, and think, well, he must have gone to some prestigious thing, and uh, did all the things, and, um, but you have a, a little bit of a different story, and um, so we'd love to hear sort of what you feel like from your childhood contributed to your success as an author and um, and as a father.
2: Well, to summarize it, it would be thousands of hours outside, I think. Uh, there you
0: go, there you go. That's a good That one.
2: would be, that's on <laughs> brand, I know, uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's definitely true. Um, and there are other, you know, but it's funny because I wasn't a super literary kid like I, I learned to read and, and everything from a young age and, and uh, you know, like like a lot of people do, but I didn't practice reading I didn't know uh, culturally there weren't a lot of boys or men that I knew that were reading a whole lot. My dad did, um, and so did my papa and a few others but there wasn't I didn't have a lot of peers that were reading a lot I was like oh that's something that the young girls did. Which is so messed up. <laughs> and I hate that. And I'm, so I love to hear like, you know, Charlie and Josh, I'm so glad you're here. And like every time I'm like connect with a young male reader, I'm like, yeah, because boys are honestly, boys are just way behind girls um, still, uh, even, even though it's probably better than it was when I was a kid. But anyway, I, yeah, so but but where I, I exercised sort of those imaginative muscles and really um, started, uh started really young. We lived really far back in the woods. We lived in in a holler as we call it in West Virginia, uh, the hollow between two mountains. We lived uh, back in the holler. And my dad used to joke that well, I didn't know it was a joke when I was a kid, but he said uh, that we lived so far back in the woods that no one lived behind us. And uh, as a kid, I was always like, what? How is that is cool? You know, even even sort of my like fantasy mind was like, wow, nobody lives behind us. and Maybe I'll write a story about that someday. But uh, but we played. We played out in the woods so, so much. And I didn't really put it together until later that I was already doing, like, sort of preparing for my vocation. Because we were making things. We were, I was making a fleet of uh, paper airplanes or sort of airplanes out of bark from trees would, or, or fighter ships or something. And I was always playing something, enacting some kind of a drama. Uh, in my mind and I was building worlds and I was making things. So before, way before I was a wordsmith, I was a, I was a worldsmith. I was making worlds. And, and that's really what I do now uh, as like a full-time job. So it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool job to, to kind of be able to continue the playing, uh, you know, stage of, of, of life. And, and I really feel uh it's some i don't know like relaxed and just sort of like i'm i'm doing what i was put on earth to do when i when i'm telling stories because it just feels so natural to me it feels uh like like childhood and and really a, a boredom was a big key to that, that that i know it's so hard for me now to not be bored because of this thing you know because uh because i'm i've got um i've got access to like information and stimulus and news and Oh, okay. anything at any time entertainment whatever and it's just there's a real downside a real cost to that and and i think my the my uh, the gift of being bored as a kid of being allowed to be bored a little bit forced um not in a cruel way i don't think my parents looked at it as like you need to be bored i don't think they were thinking they're just like go play that's what that's normal for people and we did that. And I think that uh, that was just so crucial. There's probably nothing that's been more formative for me as a storyteller and in my vocation than than those early years of my life being uh, of playing and imagination and going, you know, running wild in, uh, in the woods of West Virginia. That's just yeah. so powerful and formative. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it in your storytelling, like with the star seat game
0: and, you know, just the descriptors and. You know, you can see that this is a person who loved nature himself, and you know, and um, who found joy in simple things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, as a society, there's just a lot of pressure to really fill all the spaces of childhood, to fill all mm-hmm. the time, and and that sort of seen as or deemed as what's you know the most important thing. This is making the boys really thirsty.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 They're new awesome. concept.
2: So, drinking out of my water bottle from a from a Indian reservation in Montana so oh, cool. some I like some cool outside stuff so still
0: you know nowadays there's there's so many good things that you can enroll your kids in I think it takes a lot of um I don't know a lot of backbone to not do it and to say you know we're going to have downtime or just go play you know it feels frivolous but um. really awesome to hear your story I heard and I read I think in a Stephen King biography that he didn't have a television until age 12 and I thought that was interesting you know it's like that story that storytelling comes out of this imaginative place and so you wonder if things will be affected you know 10, 20, 30 years down the road Um. you know if you have a generation of kids who haven't played like how you were able to play you know if that's going to affect storytelling at all
2: hmm yeah, it feels, I totally agree with you that, 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 and I'm glad you said that there's a lot of good things. It's not just like, oh, terrible shows on TV or right. TikTok or whatever things that we as parents might be like concerned, like, oh, we're doing, you know, social media is doing this to our brains. And it's not just that. It's like, it could be like church or sports or, yeah, trumpet you math know, tutoring and then, yeah, and then, you know, and then there's
0: just no downtime.
2: Right? Yeah we had to do that. We, we recently sort of pulled back from doing travel soccer. Like my kids love soccer. I love soccer. We still, we're still involved. ball. We still do rec and kind of local um, so- soccer kind of stuff, but, but we were traveling an awful lot and it was good. And we like all those people, I just actually saw a lot of them last night at a game, um, a, a game in town here. And I like, love those people. And I love that. Like it was a good culture and it was like good for the kids in a lot of ways. And, but it's, it was such a, it was, I believe it was a good decision for us to kind of pull back from that. Um, Even though we had like one, we have particularly one son who's just very, very talented soccer player who maybe has a future in it um, in some ways. And it's like, it'd be so tempting just to like, well, we're going to travel all the time for soccer and spend, you know, a huge amount of time and money. And, and it's been, but, but we've, it's been a gift to kind of pull back and, 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 and not do that. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm just totally with you that there's a, that there, there are so many gifts in say in, in the, in just the saying no to, to things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really encouraging. I think parents will find it very encouraging to hear that your story, your success faces back to boredom. Faces back yeah.
2: to- You can make them bored. They will be, they will write rabbit stories. It's a guarantee. <laughs> okay. We guarantee it on this. And you can, you can get a, uh, refund from, from Jenny if it doesn't work. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp.
0: Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com/slash slash 1000 hours. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com/outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first 4 boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com/outside120 for $120 off. goodchop.com/outside120 code outside 120 uh okay so the boys have some questions that they are going to ask you and um, we've tried to prep them a little bit that they can talk back and forth if they have some other things that they think about um and so i'm going to turn it over to them for a little bit i think josh Oh, awesome. so charlie has the first one okay
1: so uh when did you know you wanted to become a writer
2: cool question charlie man uh how old are you? Did you, is that okay to ask? Yeah, 10. 10. Okay. So I was a little bit younger than you. Um, so it's, again, it's a little bit weird because I was, I wasn't um, reading a whole lot as a kid, as a, as a young man I did, but, but people would read to us, you know, in school or uh, my mom would do that too. And so I had a teacher, Miss Geiner who read us this book called little women. I don't know if you got, I don't know if you had a chance to read that one yet, Charlie. Yeah, yeah it's really, it's so good. But so I, she read that book to us and I, I I totally loved it. You know, it was awesome. She read it during school and, and I love the character of Joe March. She's, you know, she's so crazy and, and does all kinds of cool stuff and she's very active. So, you know, she's very passionate. So, you, but, but, you know, she was a, uh, she was a writer. Right. And I guess before that I had this sort of imagination of like, of a, of a writer as being like distant or like British or, um, you know, like that. Me is sort of like an American country boy, like from West Virginia. I never knew anybody that was an author or anything like that, or uh, so it kind of felt like oh, it's like an astronaut or it's just something really distant. And um, but when I re- when I heard that story, I was like, you know, I heard, uh, I heard about Joe, and she was writing. I thought that was super cool. And then I don't know how, if it was the teacher, Miss Geiner, that told us that 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 was Louisa May Alcott was kind of ba- basing Joe on her. Own life. And so I got really interested in Louisa Malcott. And, and she was just felt closer to me. And so it felt attainable. Like she, I thought, oh, Louisa Malcott, she's like me. She's, she's a kid that grew up in America. And I don't know, for some reason, that, that kind of um, made it more accessible to me. And then I was like, oh, well, that's something that people can do why wouldn't, why would you do anything else? I really thought that like as a first grader. And so I would write little stories then that's kind of, that. that's kind of how it, it began. And, and, and really that would come and go throughout my life. And I really didn't, you know, start doing this more seriously, probably till I was in my thirties, I guess. Um, I'd, I'd spend some time, I was always doing some kind of creative thing like poetry or I used to write, I still kind of write songs. It was like a singer songwriter kind of type. I did that for a long time. And there's always like stuff coming out of me, you know, whether it's good or not. And, I, uh, but eventually I sort of turned and really focused on on writing and storytelling. But I, I sort of trace it back to that time. And I felt like, almost like, I mean, I, you just, I described the, the word haunted, even though we usually think of that as like a oh, scary word. But I almost think of like being haunted by the vocation of a storyteller that like that was sort of, I always liked that kind of thing in my play, in in, and just my mind, and and sometimes in actual writing itself, I would I would just always love that. That was always like rang my bells. So it's kind of a slow, a slow thing, but I think part of it started back there in in uh, first grade with Miss Geiner and Little Women. Wow.
0: It's interesting. I had read um, there's this book called Rich Habits, Poor Habits, which is Hmm. about people's habits and um they have in there this test for parents um which whatever I'm like we don't care if our kids are rich but you know you you know you want to look at what are the habits of successful people and one of the things they say is to read biographies you know Mm -hmm. that uh, parents you know one of the rich habits is for parents to have their kids read biographies and Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting because I wouldn't have known from your story that you didn't start this set of books until in your 30s um Mm -hmm. what was your sort of career path you know, a lot of times we think like people just land, but no, is this is a journey? What was your career path up until that
2: point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great, uh, that is a great um, insight. I feel like that's so powerful because I, I mean, I know a lot of authors now and, and, and it's like, it's always this zigzaggy kind of a thing and it's never straight. And I'd be curious to hear about how you landed kind of what you're doing now. And if, and how that? I'm sure that probably wasn't a straight line. Like yeah, I always people, knew I was going to. I
0: think yeah, a lot longer than what people think. You know, they see you on a podcast or they see you at a conference, but don't know that there's a decade plus of of time behind that. Um, totally. so I am curious. So, what was your career up until? You know, so, what were you doing?
2: My last job so I almost think of like all the, jo- the jobs I had before is kind of like jobs and they, they weren't necessarily like the vocations of my heart. They were good. And my dad always taught me that that um, all work was honorable work. So I literally would I had a job cleaning toilets at like gas stations and stuff. I've worked at fast food. I've worked at um, this is all kind of through college and stuff. And I've, uh, I worked um, at, um, I did, was a drug uh, treatment counselor for a while. I uh, worked at Sam's Club for a while. I, I, um, I worked at a bearing company where I delivered like bearings and gears and sprockets to like coal mines and things. My last job was for about 10 years. I was in adult education. I, I would do like testing and assessment, kind of like the GED um, for, for folks who were trying to transition from welfare to work. Um, so that was uh, that was my last kind of job that was a good job for me in a lot of ways i enjoyed it, it was it was it was a, a good opportunity for me to help people and i drove all over the state of West Virginia and had a lot of time to kind of think and uh, in the car and listen to stories and, and things so that was a, that was a that was a good job um but yeah i only only left my i've only been doing this full time for probably i don't know maybe four three four years something like that oh
0: wow oh i didn't realize it
2: yeah. So I'm brand new at wow. it. Really, we're just we're just getting started um, yeah. with it, and yeah, it's. And I, people say that to me too. Like they 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 see you, whatever. All oh, you're 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 on a, you know, you're you're selling books or you're uh, being interviewed or whatever. There's always that that kind of like, and a lot of young authors are like, I want to I want to do what you did. Like, tell me how to do it. And I'm always like, you do not want that. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you need to. We plan. all need our own. Our own journey, our own pain, you know, because there's so much, so much has to do, has to do with pain and conflict and challenges, and you know, the, to, to prepare you for the to have the capacity to tell the kinds of stories that resonate with people in this like heartfelt way. So, uh, yeah, no, don't you don't want to trade with me, uh, but but uh, you do you do your thing, what you're called to do, and and uh, uh, and I'm sure that's that's the the best path I, to go. You know, I think the message
0: is that it can be a zigzaggy path. It doesn't have to be a straight shot you know, and that we take life day by day and, um, you know, and, and life goes on a journey and that's part of the beauty of it. Uh,
1: Josh, you're up. How do you deal with writer's block?
2: Hmm. Josh writer's block. You're, you're, you're triggering me, man. This is a trigger question. This is a good one. This guy might, this might be controversial. Yeah. This, who knows, this could be the place where the, the podcast takes a downward turn here's here's my theory man and i don't know you i'd love to hear what you think about this but i do not believe in writer's block like i i uh i think that writers are um weird people like in a way like in a good way <laughs> like i think you have to be a little bit Uh, wild to be a a writer because it's a really audacious thing to do. (laughs) I'm going to sit and invest a huge amount of time in putting symbols onto a page or onto a flashing screen from my mind and then I expect that to be printed into a book or, or some kind of device or audio and then I want other people to spend their time engaging with my thoughts and my words. It's like it's super audacious, maybe a little bit arrogant. Um, I think you almost have to cultivate a little bit of a, like, but I think a lot of the cool things in life, like, uh, you know, if you're going to try to be an astronaut, if you're going to try to play in the NBA or whatever, like those are all sort of like audacious things to do. And like the people who do it are just like, well, I'm just going to try it anyway. I'm just going to go for it. And so I like people like that. And I, I am one of those people. Um, but, but I, I do think like we, we try to, this is a big big subject that I could talk about. I'm going to try to limit myself because I could talk about it a long time, but I do kind of believe that uh, for me, I I have like sort of a a worldview that I think is is sort of really deeply informed by my faith as a Christian. So I think about my vocation as sort of like, Two things that, that 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 as a storyteller, it's like this really magical thing that's really beautiful and incredible and kind of glorious and miraculous. And it's like, wow, how has this happened? Like my experience with reading C.S. Lewis or Louisa Malcott or Madeline Langle or other these people are like Jane Austen, whatever. I'm just like eating it up and it's this I'm transported and it's this real sort of magical thing. So, like it's really important to hold on to that with one hand. But then I have this other hand that's like really important too, which is It's just an ordinary vocation like it's rooted in love and service like it's it's not I don't feel you're not superior to someone who makes meatloaf for kids like that's a that's a great job you're serving people and loving or cleaning toilets which I've done. Um, I don't feel superior to like the plumber or the pastor or the teacher or the dad or the mom or the I just don't you know that's like we're all in the same kind of business we're just like doing things for other people so I I find it holding those two things a little bit maybe intention at the same time like I never ever want to let go of that that this is like a service industry job. And that I'm not like superior. This isn't my ticket to become a culturally elite or something like that. No, this is like, this is like making PB&J for kids like that's genuinely how I feel about it like, I want to make really good sandwich, but it's, you know, people are eating it and that's that's, so I really hold that but also I also never want to lose fact, you know, track of the fact that it, it is kind of a magical thing it's really special. Um, so I don't, so I hold those things in tension a little bit and I don't want to like downplay either one because I believe both are really true so it's a little bit of a, like a paradox, or a mystery. Um, but in that like I think sometimes when we're too heavy on this sort of like it's this is magical and amazing, we sort of tend to be very self indulgent about it like well, I'm a precious author and an, and an artist. Therefore, the rules don't apply to me, which is sometimes it can be really bad. Like I can be a jerk. I can be really mean to people because I'm an artist and that's how we are. That's our temperament. Like, no, no, all the all the same rules about like being kind to your neighbor, they still apply to you if you're a best-selling author or an artist or whatever. Like you, st- you can't just be, you know, the, the, the rules aren't different for you uh, and me. So I, So I tend to think of like, if you're a plumber, um, and I just was helping a guy my, just now in my, in my house, who's working on our washing machine and, uh, like I, he can't call, he can't come in the morning and just say like, I'm sorry, I've got like washer repairman block, you know? So I can't, I can't show up and do this today. Or like, if you're, you know, I had surgery on my knee a few years ago, like I can't just show up there and the surgeon's like, I'm sorry, I've got surgeons block today, so I can't do it. Or I've got mom's block today, so I'm sorry. I won't be able to be your mother today. So yeah. <laughs> Like we don't, what other job or vocation are you allowed to do that in? And I just think like, so part of me is like, that may be a little bit too harsh, but I think that that's kind of a good way to think. Like, I think that we would be better as authors if we just more or less thought like, I'm here to do a job and, I, and it's good, it's special. Like when the muse shows up, it's really, really magical and incredible. Um, there's like fairy dust, all kinds of crazy stuff's happening. It's really cool but also like, Hey, I'm serving a meal. So I'm showing up for that. And so that it's been helped me a lot to, to, to not indulge in like, Oh, I could have writer's block. I could, I can, that means I don't have to write. I think that usually means something else is going on and we need to work through it and we need to fight through it and not indulge. Like, Oh, I now have an excuse not to do something because writers are the worst, man. We will find any excuse not to write because writing is crazy and it's super hard. It's fun. And if you're a kid and it's just fun, like just go with that as, as long as you can. But it's like hard work. You know, you got to sit down and do, do work. So we'll, we'll do all kinds of other stuff like I need to do research. I need to do an outline. I need to build up my characters or I need to think through this. I need to do we'll do a million things that are not writing. And and really, we need to write. <laughs> we need to show up and write. And uh, so that's the hardest thing to do. And so I, I'm just like a little bit hesitant to say like, oh, we're special. We get to have writer's block. I'm more I'm more on the side of like, hey man, just show up and do your job. So uh, what I do for writer's block is I just uh, I beat it up and leave it for dead in an alley and, uh, and try to, but that's actually my favorite quote, quotation about this. And I'll finally shut up about your question, which is an awesome question, Josh, is um, Jack London who said, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to go after it with a club. And uh, that's, that's how I feel it's like you, if you're waiting for inspiration or waiting for the timing to be right, or waiting for uh, your feelings to be good or everything like, uh, or the house to be quiet or for circumstances to be good or to have enough money or what, like, guess what? You're waiting forever. So you got to go, you got to go, don't wait, go after it with a club.
1: ever wish you
2: could go back and train some of the details of a storyline hmm. yes do i ever wish i could go back oh yeah i do and honestly because i'm my own publisher i have done that a little bit <laughs> you know you you fix you find some uh, mistakes in some of your books sometimes and so then you go back and you obviously fix those so a couple of times i've uh, done a little bit of you know george lucasing you know he, he kind of went back and and, met, and messed with star wars a little bit which nobody liked. But yeah, I've done a little bit of that, just kind of uh, not not a whole lot. But if something was really egregious, like a whole, uh, I did, you know, something that was just really bad as far as like grammar or just a section where the dialogue tags are dumb or something like, I've I've gone back and fixed some of that stuff. So, so but 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 generally speaking, no. Like the truth is, so I, the Green Number was the first book I wrote um, that was published. You know, we put out there, and. I'm a, I'm a, I've written, you know, nine, I've written probably 12 books since then. And they're all better than The, than the Green Ember. <laughs> um, and some of them aren't out yet, but there's, I'm getting better. Like you get better at stuff, but you just can't start where you're going to be. That's another reason why I'm, I'm working on a, a course right now for writers called The Green Writer. And that's the whole thing about it. it is part of that, what we were just talking about is like, is, is the whole like, I am not waiting, like I have a green light, I'm going, I'm going. And so I'm not waiting for permission. I'm not waiting for all this stuff. I'm going as a writer. That's me. I'm a green writer. And but I'm also growing, like I'm not yet what I will be. So I'm like a green living thing. I'm going, I'm growing. So that's that's part of my ethos is like, so a big part of it is like, I don't really need to go back and change it. That's who I was. But I couldn't I couldn't get to where I am now without that. And that's totally that's totally fine. I, I I need I needed those moments of growth. And I, so the big, big picture, I've fixed some things here and there, but I'm I'm, pre, I'm done with that. Uh, and that, those were pretty minor, to be honest. And, and my, but my main posture is like, no, that's what it is. And, and and people fell in love with that book. And so that's what they're going to get. They, I, I don't need a new version of that. I'd rather spend my time writing, writing more books and sharing more stuff. Good question.
0: Well, so Josh's mom is in the room. She's like on the other side of the screen, and so as soon as you brought up the green writer, she picked up her phone. She's like writing that down. Is that available yet, or um, is it available now, or is that a newer thing?
2: It's coming soon. It's it's okay. coming soon. Sort of, during, you know, it's it's sort of the answer to the question. Like, I've gotten just so many questions from mostly kids about like, uh, you know, what what would you what advice do you have for me as a writer? And it's kind of like a really first. Um, and I wrote like a, wrote a book like during the, during 2020 uh, with it. And then I was like, this would make a kind of a good course. So we filmed it. We're re- You know, it's, it's, hopefully it'll be out pretty soon. We'll, we'll, we'll be working right. on it. Um, yeah. If you don't, if you have my, I'll announce my newsletter Yay. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm ex- really excited to share it. I think it's, I'm, I'm kind of really invested in these young storytellers and young, young writers. Like what, what, what do I, I don't, I don't have everything they need, but I've got something and, I, you know, I want to, I want to share with them. So I'm, I'm excited to share that.
0: I think,
1: all right,
2: Josh, what you got? How long does it take to write a book? 12 minutes. Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, man, I don't know. It's so, it so depends. Some of my books are short. Some are short-ish. Some of them are long. Some of them have taken the green number, I think, took like maybe a year and a half total in time. The actual writing of the book was probably eight, eight or nine months. My father got really sick uh, right in the middle of uh, when I was writing that book, and and that's another thing, man. It, that that like that book, it was amazing it ever came out because there's just so much crazy stuff was going on in life. It was really really busy. I had two jobs and young kids, coaching soccer, involved in my church. My dad got. He had pancreatic cancer was really sick in the hospital for a long time. And so we were just, it was, it's almost like a miracle that book ever was any good at all. One. And then two ever saw the light of day. It's kind of amazing, but uh, that's like kind of another story, but uh, yeah. So sometimes they take sometimes like, I think Ember rising took like three months or so in, in its first draft and it's my longest book. Um, so it's just weird. It, you know, the last archer I wrote really, really fast, like maybe two weeks or something. And but uh, that's a really short book. And then some of them take like six months or nine months. It's really I would say if it was an average, it would probably be something like six to six to eight months. Um, but it seems like if I can get devoted time, it's quite a bit quicker than that. that that's hard to find. All that long. They yeah.
0: each, each have one last one last question here. How do you awesome.
1: the different character
2: names. Um, Coming up with the different character names. Initially, Heather and Pickett, my main characters in the Green Ember series, were named Joe and Hannah, and they were kind of named after my my kids, Anne and Josiah, um, who you guys met. It's kind of confusing because I have a brother named Josiah who works with me, and it's it's funny, Jane. You're talking about family, like our family business is like me and my brother Josiah and our brother-in-law Andrew um that's like our that's we the three of us are like work together and then our wives my sister all the kids my my daughter Ann she's working for us a lot she does a lot of work Josiah my son he designed that like you know I don't know if you saw the big display with all the art on it like uh, he's 15 years old he he designed that he and I are working on a, a a series together right now we're writing a book series together so yeah we're we're totally in that like all in family uh, thing and now I forgot your question, Charlie. What, what, what did I, oh, character no. names. What was it? the character names? Oh, character but names. Some of, so- them are,
0: some of them are real normal, like a Heather, you know, and then yeah. some of them. Yeah.
2: Are the so I think. I started talking about that because because the story started with my family, like started with my kids, and so I, they were really little when I when I started telling those stories to my kids. So Nora or Anne was just like a little, little toddler kind of a thing, and now she's 18. So I started I started telling them outside before I wrote the books. They were they were tell out stories, and so I told them I was like, oh, this one's Hannah, his older sister, kind of like Anne, and then there's Joe, kind of like Josiah. But it was it wasn't very long before I was like. I don't want them to every time these characters do something dumb or like make a bad. I didn't want them to think I was having like a commentary on their life. I wanted them to have freedom in the in enjoying the story. So pretty early on, we changed the names and I just liked Heather and Pickett because they sound like cool rabbit names. Uh, I just love those. And uh, and then really the names, my my rule for names is I hate it when I'm reading, especially like a fantasy book. And I can't pronounce the name of a character or and I'm like, and then they came to golf. And every time I stop and like what is that? That's so frustrating to me. So I wanted it to be hospitable. I didn't want kids to have to stop. So even if I use like a normal name, I almost like spell it even more simply. So most of the names in the books, if not all of them, should be pretty easy to read for almost any kind of reader. And then it was just like, does it sound cool? And occasionally I'll be right, named somebody after a character, like my, um, my brother-in-law. His name is Josh Hanks, um, and I love him. He's a great guy. And uh, so I would always call him Joe Shanks like because his name's Josh Hanks. I always call him Joe Shanks. So the character of Joe Shanks, who first appears in um, in a small way in the Green Green Ember, but has like a lot bigger role going forward in the series. Like he, he just came from just a goofy nickname that I had for my brother-in-law. And every once in a while, there'd be something like that. But usually it's not something from the real world. Usually it's just like, does this make sense in this world? I'm like super committed to the whole like, don't don't. Um, get outside of it. Like don't try to sneak in some kind of lesson where people are reading it and they're like, Oh, I see what he's talking about this controversy. Like, I just wanted it to be real in that world. Like very token esque as far as like, I want people to feel because i believe it like fully i want that, that i feel like the the readers i want you to like not be thinking all the time like what's he really mean or is this stand is this a stand-in for this like it's there's no allegory or anything it's just if it rings your bells you know spiritually or philosophically or whatever like that's great it it, it does for me but but the story is very like genuine it's very like this is what's happening in here and um so that was a super long answer to a question a question. No, it-
0: it's interesting to have the mix, so like a Heather and Pickett, you know. It's like when you have the mix, it kind of keeps you in both, right? Like you like to have the, the names like Lord Rake or you know these other characters that are not normal names, right? Necessarily yeah. normal, like, uh, arbitrary. Are you thinking of okay. one? Helmer, right? Or you know, I've never met a Helmer. Or so it kind of it keeps you in that fantasy land, you know. It takes you to another place, but then also nice to have it mixed with a, you know a Heather you know, because, you know, a
2: Heather or whatever. Yeah. But but do you think about Heather, like the rabbits, like love Heather, like to play in the Heather. So it's a very natural name. It's like, it's not yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And even Helmer, like I, names. And even a lot of those characters, like the character of Helmer, like he, he was just there when I when like when the kids came into the, the main characters came into Cloud Mountain in, in the Green Ember. This isn't a spoiler, but he was just there. And then I was like, well, Who's this guy? And what's his story? And so it's like a process of discovery and curiosity for me. And that curiosity led so much to the fact that it, even when you get to the wreck and rise of and Mariner, which is a story that happens, uh, you know, a long time before it's like a prequel, a long, long, long ago prequel sort of a thing. That the name of Helmer is still being explored, like where that came from, all the way back in that story. Like there's all these connections that like, that lead from curiosity um, in, in the books. So, a lot of that has to do with names. Uh, so, I, I love names, I'm like a big, big name. Uh, person. So I do think about, I do care about it, but it has to feel like right in the world. I don't want to like insert too much. I don't want, you know, I don't want people to be thinking like, oh, that name means this in Hebrew or that. I don't want really people to be doing that. Uh, I wanted to kind of leave it in this world.
0: I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids every day. AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 Travel Packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, Never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over thirty five different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor slash outside 50 to get 50% off.
1: Which book was your favorite to write?
2: Which book was my favorite to write? Let's see here. Um, let's see here. It's pretty, uh, so a lot of people, that's cool. That's a cool way to ask it. That helps me because a lot of people just say, like, which book is your favorite? And that's a little bit different than what was your favorite to write. Or what's the best one? I think because this might all have different answers. Because um, the Green Ember is special to me in a lot of ways because it was so special to, between me and my kids. So it has a really special thing. But I don't think it's the best one. Um, I think my favorite one to write still has been, and and, and even like the last one, Ember's End, um, it means so much to me because of what I got to do and I got to finish this story that I was so so grateful to be able to f- like finish this Heather and Pickett's journey. But my favorite one to write was um, was uh, Ember Rising, uh, the, the third of the of the big books, the big, the main series. Uh, and that's probably because that's right when I quit my job. Um, and I uh, and at that time, I just allowed I had the freedom of just coming out here to the forge every day, which is like 10 feet from my house. It's like a garden shed that we turned into an office. So I come out here to the forge and I would just that was my only job. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I worked on the book and I wasn't thinking too much about commerce or like I was just trying to devote myself to it and I did that and I built a fire pit for my family which I'm not super handy but you know have a friend's tractor and we would out there and I would you know have those big rocks and I was laying about it was it's kind of like a 30 foot diameter place we had to level it off and it was just like a lot of physical work which was really good for me like emotionally healthy wise like just being outside and doing that work was like you know it, it was good for me and then writing the book that those were like the two things I was doing and kind of taking walks with the kids and uh playing soccer with them and stuff that kind of, so that period was so special to me and I just loved that book I loved it and I just enjoyed it so much I loved getting into Heather, Heather does so much in that book there's a sort of heather and Pickett are separated a little bit and they, they kind of go in these different adventures and i just and it wasn't the last book and it wasn't the second book so you know the second book you have a little bit of like pressure because it's like oh okay the green ember was 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 good people enjoyed that but Maybe it's going to go downhill. Maybe you'll have the sophomore slump. Maybe you can't do a series. Maybe it's just going to be like one good book and people will kind of forget the rest. So there's a little bit of pressure with that. And then when you're wrapping up the series, the fourth book, there's a lot of pressure on that because it's like, oh, you got to tie up these loose ends or people going to be there's a little bit more pressure. But with that book, I just kind of I just did it, man. I just went I just went for it, and let it go. And it's long. And I wrote it pretty quickly. And I just had I had joy every day writing that book, it was such a fun, such a fun experience. I loved it uh, so much. That's awesome. Did any of
0: this spark any other questions that you guys
1: have? Um
2: Who is your favorite character in the book series? Mm. All right, Charlie, I got to re- I got to turn that back on you, man. Uh, you, what about you? You tell me who's your favorite character so far?
1: Uh, I really like Helmer.
2: Helmer, yeah. How about you, Josh? Uh, Helmer. Helmer, okay dude helmer is like such a popular character everywhere and it's so funny because he's so mean you know and I, don't, it, 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 he does have like an interesting arc which i which i think people identify with but people love him and like he's such a he's so he's yeah he's so i don't know he has a, he has a long a long way to, a long way to go i guess maybe people enjoy that but he's up there for me for sure but I think Heather is probably my favorite. I just love her. She's the most like me. I think she's kind of an older sibling, very responsible and like doing the right thing, but has a lot of fear about actually like executing on her own um, vocation and, but she's got a lot of compassion, but she's, she, she's really strong in some ways, but she's also um, just deals with anxiety and fear and stuff too. So I relate to her an awful lot. Uh, and, and so she's probably my, she's probably my favorite character.
0: Well, we're wrapping it up here in a couple minutes. I, um, I wanted to share a Bible verse, and not all of our listeners are Bible readers. Um, but this is just a beautiful verse, and um, I think the Bible is filled with beautiful things and um, a beautiful way to live our lives. Um, and so this is Proverbs ten seventeen, and it reminded me of you when we first met. It says, he who heeds instruction and correction is not only himself in the way of life, but also is a way of life for others So he who in, he's instruction and correction is not only himself in the way of life but also is a way of life for others and it just reminded me I think when I saw your booth and I saw all the people there and I saw your extended family and your own children that it's very clear that you are a way of life for others um, in addition to being in you know in the way of life for yourself and so um, you know mm-hmm. I just, I was very inspired by you and your family and your story. And so if people are wanting to find more about you, if they're wanting to buy your books, um, if they're interested in the green, um, you call it the green writer. Um, yes. a green writer, course, like, you know, my, like my friend here, Stephanie, she's already trying to write it down, you know. Um, <laughs> where, um, can you tell us, like, where can people find you? What's the best way and all that stuff?
2: thank you jenny that that's such a kind thing to say what a beautiful verse and my goodness what a what a blessing to give to me thank you that is i would i would uh that would definitely be a prayer that, that if um i want that to happen i want that to be the case I will, I'm, I'm open to that i want the i want the lord to give gifts to other people through, through the work i'm doing and, and gifts that lead to life so that, that's that blows me away it's so kind um uh, for finding me, I'm, it's pretty easy. I'm just, it's just sdsmith.com is probably the the main place. I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and I've got a newsletter. And you can get the one thing that might be like an easy. I try to make uh, my my big marketing scheme, um, which is for for years people are like, how are you know these books are doing really well? How what's your marketing plan? I'm like. Marketing plan? What are you talking about? Like, I think my marketing plan for the beginning was like, let a bunch of cool moms and families and kids like tell each other about the book, like, uh, (laughs) and not like go stop them. Uh, That's, you know, they, we really, our sales force has been like families. Uh, We haven't, we, it's not because we're so clever or anything. Which has been so cool and such an awesome gift. Um, but so we, we try to remove obstacles and try to make it easy. So uh, you can get the Green Ember audiobook if you want, just for signing up for my newsletter, which I, I don't send it to too often. Wow. Um, so uh, you can get that for free just by going to sdsmith.com. I think it's slash update. Uh, yeah, may, or maybe slash free audio. I think that's another way you can get it. And there's lots of, there's some ways to sort. So if, you, if you're kind of just curious and you want to have a low barrier for entry, that's, that's, um that's a way to go there. So, but SDSmith.com, easy, easy place to, to find me.
0: That's really a great offer for someone to be able to listen to the book, go ahead and into the school year. That's, I mean, I have really, so I'm in the first one and I just have so enjoyed it. So I'll put, I'm planning on reading them all. And uh, we got a lot of friends that love them. Is, are there, are there movies on the horizon? Is that, is that ever?
2: uh yeah i think that that's a good possibility we've yeah to be honest we've we've spent a lot of time over the last few months talking to a lot of people and listening to different opportunities and it's like a lot of other things we're 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 not in a big hurry on that we're not desperate um i feel like we want to you know these are my these are my babies these uh stories and so i'm pretty persnickety about um, just partnering with anybody i'm not desperate to have a movie or show made i'd like to do it but it's got to be the right um it's got to be the right fit um and i I can't be too precious or too perfectionist um i gotta remember jack london gotta go after it and just keep going but but uh but yeah that's a i'd say that's a decent a decent possibility that that'll that'll be on the horizon well can
0: we end sam with um
2: a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours sure well yeah boy a lot comes to mind um the, the first one that just pops into my head i should probably just go with that and that is we we lived in the holler there were there were a lot of uh acres this is we, when i was 12 we moved to south africa and became a uh, parents were missionaries and so we we left um but we were we were like really uh We loved South Africa and we loved being there, but we were like, we're always West Virginia people. Like, that's kind of in our blood. And uh, so, spending time, this was like an indelible memory for me as a kid. And it's pretty simple, but we were playing, I think, army or something. That's what we usually did. And we would often, like, you know, break a stick into like the shape of a rifle or something. And we were, you know, reenacting some kind of a thing. A lot of boys, there were four, four of us boys and one girl. Um, and she was the baby so she was young but we'd have swords so we'd do swords or, or or guns or whatever And we, so we were i think we were going out and we were playing kind of in this intense kind of war game kind of a thing and, and i remember wandering from the group a little bit and coming through this um kind of a canopy of trees that i'd never been before a place i'd never been before and coming through this sort of I don't know like a barrier of bushes and walking through it and into this place that was like it had rocks and it seemed enormous to me but i'm sure it was pretty small rocks and moss and it was soft there was a little bit of dew in there i don't know how and it was and there was kind of a light shining through and a kind of a mist almost like a rainbow inside this little It's was just this almost a little canopy uh, of, um, it was like a f- little fantasy canopy and i can remember even as a child i did it that it arrested me and filled me with feelings that i didn't know how to express but it was it was awe uh reverence gratitude it was really an encounter with beauty um, that was really that i'll never forget um, and and uh it sounds um, like you're describing it to you have to yeah that. maybe so yeah yeah i think that was it was it was a it was a it was kind of a beautiful haunting kind of in a in, in a positive way and just um, it almost stayed with me like there's a there there's uh there's the, the world has a capacity for beauty that can be so surprising and reverent and uh glorious um that and it was modest too it's kind of small but it was which out which is in my heart a lot i like like I like small you know I like thinking small and kind of like everybody's like I want to do everything in the whole world and like well, maybe just like love your brother like that would be really nice like that would be a good start so kind of I'm a big fan of like uh, doing the small things and, and, yeah, and you know. simple
0: things maybe so yeah.
2: little things yeah.
0: yeah well Sam this has just been such an absolute pleasure thanks for hanging out with me and with Charlie and Josh Charlie and Josh thanks for joining in I think it's really special that you guys are here and Spent this hour with us, and Sam, um, we'll continue to spread the word. We just love your books, and really excited about this screen writer course as well. So, thank you so much for your time.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Josh. It was such a pleasure to be with you guys today.